David, what is this show known for? I'm hoping for Avengers takes because I feel like that was our best episode. Okay. I watched a little bit of Civil War today after school. Mediocre movie takes. Okay. Mediocre. I literature really well. Oh, not the take. The the movie. The movie was mediocre. It was mediocre. Oh, okay. Carry on. Yeah. I mean, in the whole annals of filmology, it's like a B minus. Film filmology's what? <laughs> the Avengers movie. I give it a solid B minus when comparing it to, you know, a masterpiece such as any of Charlie Chaplin's work. I'm speechless. Uh, no, we're not known for that. Maybe one person knows us for that. What else? What else is our show known for? What do we like to dive into and hit hard? Baseball analytics? Barry Bond stats. No. Barry Bond stats. Okay. A former Disney employee is accused of stealing $14,000 in uh, costume and items from the Magic Kingdom. So what, two items? (laughs) No, not like souvenirs, like actual like costumes from like the characters so he, and like he wasn't, the robots, like the animatronics. So he like wasn't strolling down Main Street and taking his pick of stuff. It no, was no. actually like Disney. Okay, whoa. No, this is and this was like so. Okay, so to answer my question, we're known for heists. Oh yeah, okay, okay, heists. I get that now. Yeah, okay. okay. I can see why you would think that. You got your jewel heist. Yep. You got your convenience store heist. Yep. That guy was not smart. Uh, Chinese food restaurant heist. The guy that got stuck in the smokestack. Remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Stuck in a smokestack. Yeah. The fire department had to come and rescue him and then arrest That's him. That's right. Was that before or after the snake thing? Where the uh, snake fell on the table? That preceded the snake. Oh. Yeah. Good times. Okay. So, Patrick Allen Spikes of, obviously, Florida. <laughs> um, 24 years old, charged with uh, burglary, grand theft, and trafficking and stolen property. Namely, uh, Dumbo hat. No, I don't know. I don't know what it's oh. stole, actually. Um, but Disney's probably being very hush-hush about what was stolen. Yeah. So, um, so police. So Disney had reported, you know, some some missing items, and and police were able to track them down uh, to track these items back to Spike Spikes. The guy's name Spikes. Um, when he posted a picture on Twitter of one of the animatronic characters wearing uh, clothes that had been retired, right? So he's posting a recent pic of stuff that uh, he shouldn't have access to, right? Including uh, costumes that were stolen. So not a hard nut to crack, right? Uh, You put this in the, the, I guess, the dumb criminals box. This is why older generations think millennials are all stupid. Stuff like this. I gotta put my crime on Insta. So we're come on. Dude. We're just as good at criminals as they are. We just like to brag about it in a very public manner. Uh, so he created a social media platform to post Disney backstage content uh, for movie and theme park aficionados. But then he also posted the stolen goods on there. Um, and so, so some of the costumes belong to this character named Buzzy. Not familiar. This is like a Disney sea character. I guess, from the Wonders of Life attraction, Epcot. Googling. Uh, um, But the way he got these... I bet he's a bee. He used underground tunnels um, under the Haunted Mansion. So he, like, most of, like, the wigs and costumes he took were, I guess, in the Haunted Mansion, and he used, with his elaborate knowledge of the tunnel system at the Magic Kingdom, was able to... uh, Oh, there's Buzzy. The, the tunnel system. Okay, so Buzzy is creepy. Yes, he is. Wow. So did he? So he was basically uh, using access tunnels that usually employees, like maintenance employees and stuff like that, do under the haunted mansion. And then, okay, I want that would be a much better attraction than the ride itself. Like going into the creepy underground tunnels underneath yeah. the haunted mansion. Ooh. So once 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 police narrowed in on Mr. Spikes. They, uh, they got a search warrant and uh, checked out some of his financials. They saw he received about $30,000 in PayPal payments uh, from two separate buyers. Uh, one of the buyers said he paid $8,900 for 18 items um, that were later confirmed to be stolen. And the buyer turned it over, but he claimed he thought they were you know, obtained legally. And he was just uh, purchased them from, from someone who had also a, a major Disney collector. Um, 
first of all, 8900 to drop on obscure Disney memorabilia. Like Buzzy, the, the whatever that is? Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I wish I liked something enough to drop $8,900. I wish I had the disposable income to drop $8,900 on a, on a hobby. Mm. Also, wasn't there a guy named Spike that we went to school with? Uh, yeah, well, he had a nickname, Spike. Gotcha. I was going to make fun of the name Spike, but then I was like, wait, maybe there's someone we know, and he, what if he hears about it through this whole... Oh, you assume, he, you assume he's listening. Well, I assume we come from a small town, and people talk. Yeah. Um, we're spread all over the world now. All right. I mean, from, so, from California to Idaho, we're spread all over the world from our hometown. <laughs> so Disney, there are... There are... There's this, like, culture of... I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's, like, adults who, like, live... And breathe and die Disney. Like it's all their the clothing they wear is Disney. They collect all the movies and stuffed animals and like go to the park all the time. Um, and I've just tried. I've been thinking it since I read the story. I've been thinking about like, is there anything I like enough that I would like risk going to jail over to obtain? Not even risk going to jail over. Like, what do I like so much that I would invest? You know, a. Uh, I guess I would trade a car for, right? Like $8,900. Is there anything, is there any franchise, memorabilia for a franchise? Like, would I want Wolverine's adamantium claws or something? I can't, I can't think of it. Because the current financial situation that I find myself in, <laughs> I can't imagine trading real life money or something worth real life money for something like you're describing. Yeah. Unless someone came to me and said, David, here is the actual lightsaber that Darth Vader used in Empire Strikes Back. I'd be tempted to sell something because mm. that, that, that's my favorite movie. It's like one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite pieces of uh, uh, my, one of my favorite props. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine doing something like that. So I was debating whether or not to, to open with this story about dude selling stolen Disney goods sure. versus another Florida story. And now I'm deciding I'm just going to tell them both. Why not? So I mean, Florida content for days. All right. So, so, um, a man was arrested in Florida uh, named Jordan Anderson on a basketball hoop, just, you know, practicing his game, right? Sure. Seems like a normal Florida activity. Great weather. You go out and shoot some hoops. Um, the issue here was that he was completely naked. Oh. Yeah. So he was... Ar- wait, wait. What part of Florida was he in? Because... Seminole County. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see how they would not... Yeah. And that was not a pun carry on yeah uh so police uh encountered mr anderson at 7 30 p.m in a public park oh a pub. i thought maybe he was like out in his driveway but no he's at a public park playing yeah. in the buff yeah the way naismith intended yeah and he was he was uh quoted as saying when asked you know why he was practicing in the nude uh that playing basketball without any clothes enhances his skill level question yes when he's naked, he plays better, or practicing naked makes him better when he puts on his actual clothes. I think it's um, no one's really willing to play uh, that aggressive D on him when uh, when he's playing naked. So if I had if I had to opine on the situation, having never played in the buff, that would be my assumption. Is you you don't get that get that aggressive D. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, where we talk about sports and other things. Lately, we've been heavy on other things, and that's just fine with us. We're usually better at talking about the other things than we are about talking about sports. I'm David Henderson. This is Anthony Montague, and uh, I got something for the Blazers. But first, go to subjectivelycorrect.com, read the blog, blog article that Anthony hasn't written yet, <laughs> and then we will... What, was I going to write something? Uh, yeah, you're two behind. Two behind? Yeah. Have you written one since we've had this conversation? Uh, I had. I wrote the first three. Whatever. All right, so I'll write one maybe. I don't know. It's really busy for me right now. i got a lot to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, papers are great and sure. stuff like that. So anyway, yeah. we'll get to it. And get ready for that summer break. That's right. i gotta, I got to fill the canteen of work so I can <laughs> not work for three months. Uh, quick uh, advisory notice, dear listener. Uh, if you are not super interested in basketball and or Lakers drama, feel free to skip this podcast. Because that's about all we got today. Just click download and move on. All right. Five star rating. Five star rating. Move on. Uh, but first, let's talk. Let's not. Let's bench the Lakers stuff for a while. Lakers um, been benched for six years. No. <laughs> so true. 
And uh, let's talk actual basketball right now. Uh, <laughs> I am so glad the Raptors took a game at home. It took them two overtimes. Yeah. It took them Kawhi being Kawhi at the end of the game. And it took Giannis Antetokounmpo fouling out. Yeah. Uh, fouling out. And, I mean, if you have to go to double overtime and you have to scramble and all these things have to fall your way, I don't trust that you're going to win another game in the series. You know what I mean? Like, everything had to go just their way for them to win it, that game barely. It did break really well for for the Raptors. Yes. So I'm worried that Milwaukee's just an overpowering, better team. And I'm sure... Um, Fans of the Cavs are furious right now watching these playoffs because players like Rodney Hood and George Hill, who couldn't make a clutch basket to save their <laughs> lives when they were playing with LeBron James, are suddenly like headlining uh, important games and like not headlining, but making good uh, clutch shots in the end of games. Uh-huh. I'm sure they're like, where was this a few years ago, right? We could have had another championship. We just competed more for one with LeBron on the team. Anyway, uh, besides the point. Uh, so I think the Bucks are going to take that Raptors Bucks series pretty handily. Maybe they'll get to six, but I'm guessing it'll go uh, to five because Antetokounmpo is not going to foul out again. Yeah. He only had like 12 points, I think, but he pulled down 25 rebounds or something like that. It was insane. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, I think at one point he had more turnovers than points, right? He didn't He didn't score a lot. He definitely affected the game. Unfortunately, he fouled out like yeah. with almost at the, right at the beginning of the second overtime period. So it was amazing that the Bucks actually kept it as close as they did considering... Uh, the game that the games that that several of the uh, Raptors starters had. I think four of the five Raptors were in double digits. Four of the five starters were in double digits. Gasol played out of his mind. What four for eight from three? Gasol. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was, was good. Something like that. He. Uh, Does it always surprise? Okay. A. It always surprises me when I see Marc Gasol and Brook Lopez pull up for three. Yeah. That always shocks me. I'm always like, "What are you doing?" And then when it goes in, I'm like, "Whoa." It is shocking to me. The greatest thing about watching Brook Lopez play is that he plays at three-quarter speed, maybe even half speed of an average like uh, rec league guy, right? Not an average NBA player, <laughs> average rec league. He reminds me of like when you first create a my player on NBA 2K and he's slower than everybody yeah. else on the court. That's how it seems. <laughs> he, he is the, the walking incarnation of the high school coach epithet that you we can tell the de- we can tell the opposing team what we're going to do. And they, we should do it so well that they can't stop us. He, you know, three seconds into his move, which takes eighteen seconds, <laughs> what he's going to do, and you can't stop it because he mesmerizes you with his like flowing elbows. I don't know what it is. I just, I just fell asleep with your example of that right there. That's right. And I, Kawhi kind of plays like that too. He kind of yeah. he'll slow play a lot of things, but he can also run really fast and jump high. So it's like, <laughs> it reminds me of Le'Veon Bell in a way, the way Kawhi plays. Where it's like Le'Veon Bell will like stop sometimes. And you never see running backs just stop, right? But every once in a while you'll see uh, Le'Veon Bell just like stop, wait for a, a hole to develop, and then boom, he's through the hole, yeah. right? Well, I feel like uh, Kawhi Leonard is the same way. Where he'll dribble into the lane, like he'll stop because they close him off. He'll like wait a second, and then something else will open up, or he'll pass it out, and then all of a sudden he's dunking it. And you're like, whoa, what happened? And he's just really patient, really smart. I think Brooke Lopez is like that too, out of necessity, because you can't be impatient when you move that slowly. Yeah. It, imagine an impatient <laughs> sloth. That would be a terrible life. Like imagine being really impatient, but you're a sloth. Yeah. Right? Like you're trying to cross the road, and you're like, oh, I'm very impatient. Does an impatient right, sloth right, have a right, higher right. level of patience than anything else? Like, is it impatient for a sloth? And so, like... So that's, like, really patient for a rabbit? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Uh, different animals would need different levels of patience because of their lifespans and the way they can move and things like that, right? Agreed. Okay. I am really glad the Raptors won. Um, not because I want them to advance. In fact, I uh, am very open about uh, my hope that they are embarrassed in the uh, conference finals. Purely because I want Kawhi Leonard to decide I don't want to live in Toronto. Like, why live here when I'm just going to lose to the Bucks every year for the next five years? Giannis is the new LeBron. Um, and so I'm going to take my talents to L.A. And uh, obviously not going to go to the uh, the clown show that is the Clippers, historically. I'm going to oh. go to the other clown show that it's now the Lakers. Mm-hmm. The current clown show versus the historical clown the, show. Uh, the more wealthy clown show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although Balmer... He's, he's, he's actually Balmer has more money than the bus family for sure. Although if they sold the Lakers, it might not be a bad idea. They can get a cool 4 billion for it. I think. Oh, can you imagine what they'd be? That would be the first real major franchise to sell for a long time. Right. Uh, uh yeah. The I'm, Marlins sold recently 
and that was like the last uh, major uh, sell of a, of a sports franchise, uh-huh. and they sold for over $2 billion. Yeah. Right? So now yeah. imagine wow. now imagine one of, if not the most valuable franchise in basketball. Imagine what that's going to sell for. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I can't imagine. The other, the I can't. Other, I can imagine quite a bit. <laughs> the other good reason uh, for the Raptors winning is that the NBA Finals already have their the schedule, right? Like, TV schedule's already been decided. It's decided well in advance. So no matter when the Conference Final Series end... The first game of the finals is going to be Thursday, May 30th. So you want more basketball. So 10, 10 days from, from now when we're recording. So imagine if the Bucks would have won, right, and then finish out their series on Wednesday or Tuesday, right, and the the uh, the Warriors finish off the Blazers. Probably tonight. Uh, yeah, tonight, possibly. We could have seven, eight days with no basketball, right, which any other time of the year might be okay. But a sports show in uh, late May, early June, without basketball to talk about, we'd be forced to talk about one week old uh, PGA Championship and hockey. That's what we'd be left with, David. Well, baseball, I mean. And Preakness. Horseless. I was going to say a horseless jockey. That would be impressive. That actually. A jockeyless horse. Now, if a horseless jockey. If a horseless jockey crossed the finish line first. Could Usain Bolt win the Preakness is what I'm asking. No. The answer's no. What's your, what's your next question? Could Usain Bolt win the Kentucky Derby? No. It's a shorter race. No. Okay. Because I, I don't know if you know this, but horses yeah. run fast. Oh, because they have four legs. They, well, so they have twice as fast as humans. They're also, hmm, they're also a little bit taller than Usain Bolt by a little bit. Okay. So how Usain Bolt's legs are really long? They're Usainly long. Mm-hmm. Now you take those Usainly long legs... And make them longer, and then put more muscles on them, mm-hmm. and then there's less of the rest of the body. It's just mostly legs, and then make that thing run. That's a horse. Mm-hmm. Also, horse jerky tastes far better than Usain Bolt jerky, in my opinion. Never had Usain Bolt jerky, but I just—if you were to have jerky among the two, I'd choose the horse. Blazers Warriors. I got something for Terry Stotts, man. You are a terrible coach. Let me explain. Terry Stotts, coach the Blazers. Let me explain. Good uh, bow tie game. Okay, that's the best part about his coaching game is his bow ties. And I don't even like those. All right, glasses off for this one. Glasses off, glasses down, because we're going to angry rant here for a second. When you have one of the best backcourts in basketball with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and, you... And Walmart Curry. Actually, not Seth? even Walmart. Yeah, he's, he's more like uh, Ikea Curry. But... But, okay, but that's like saying you're the Ikea of, like, the most expensive car in the world. Like, what's yeah. the most expensive sports car? Like, I can't uh, think of the name. But... I don't know, like a Bugatti or something like Yeah, yeah, like so that. imagine. It's so, like, like, you're a Lexus compared to the Bugatti. Right? You're still nice. You're still right? good. And uh, he's stolen the ball more times from Steph than I think any player in the history of basketball in just, he like, four days. He knows what he's going to do. He's been pulling those moves on him for, like, 25 years. It's great. Anyway, Terry Stotts, you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You have good players around them. Mm-hmm. You have good rim protectors. And when your best player, your point guard, dribbles the ball up and gets trapped every time he brings the ball up, and it ends with the same stupid thing, either a Damian Lillard turnover, mm. which is, you know, it happens when you have the ball a lot, you're going to turn the ball over more, just a game of percentages, right? But okay. then when you're constantly getting bad looks and turnovers, you need to switch something up. And they had Damian Lillard bringing up the ball over and over and over again in that game. They were up 10, they were up 15, then they were down 3 and down 5, and they... The Warriors went on the Warriors run, which they do. Third quarter is Warriors time, apparently. Yeah. Because Steve Kerr and his team make adjustments, and they start blowing the other team out. And then Terry Stotts says, let's just do the same thing over and over again, and maybe something different will happen. And Draymond Green is like, thank you. I'm going to trap you and take the ball, and I'm going to dunk it. This happened over and over and over and over and over again, right? Yeah. Enos can't uh, do it all by himself. Mm. Can't, uh, you know, beat the Warriors by himself. S- smooth. So, <laughs> it drove me crazy can't to see... Err. I get yes, it. I get it. Okay. It was not smooth. So <laughs> well, It wasn't supposed to be. I know. So you do the same thing over and over again on offense without changing anything, and a good defensive team like the Warriors is going to pick you apart, which they did. You think when they went on a 10-0 run, you think you'd be like, okay, call a timeout, switch something up. Damien, stop bringing the ball up because they're trapping you all the time. Start playing him off the ball. Maybe start setting screens for him and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. let your other really great guard, CJ McCollum, bring the ball up. 
Why is that so hard to see as an NBA coach? I think he okay. did a terrible job. He's been doing a terrible job, and he should not be allowed to coach this team anymore wow. if he cannot make the mm. simplest in-game adjustments that my wife and I can talk about during the game. Okay, but all of that criticism goes away if Lillard hits a few more shots. No. Yes, it does. Because I would, I would it, because feel they the don't, exact same way. Because, all right, what was working in the first half, right, got them 15 and 13-point leads at half in games two and three. Yes, that's fine. But then the Warriors made an adjustment and started trapping Lillard mm-hmm. right around half court. Right, but there were still open, numerous open shots that they missed. Sure. They just plain missed, right? And so are you saying they should change the game plan to go away from getting open shots? Well, but they, they weren't getting open shots towards the end of that third quarter. Towards the end of the third quarter, they were getting stifled and turning the ball over over and over and over again. And they kept going back to the same thing. Lillard brings the ball up the court slowly. They try to set a pick for him. They trap that pick. Then they give the ball to the big guy who then can't make a good decision with the ball, right? So they kept going back to that over and over and over again. And that's what lost them the game. Also missing their shots lost them the game. Right, but seriously, at, at some point you can't put it all on the coach, right? You can't. But at the same time, the players have to play. They do absolutely. But if you're continually putting your your best players in a position to fail, that's on the coach. I okay, I I guess, but I think it's a little bombastic to say he shouldn't be able, shouldn't be allowed to coach the team again, right? Obviously, let they're, me bombast. They're, they're the three seed. They just made it to the conference finals. They're playing the greatest team in modern NBA history, right? The Warriors have three all-time defenders that start for them. They have two when Cameron Grant is not playing. When Cameron Grant's not playing, they have three all-time defenders and two all-time scorers, shooters at least. In, in Curry and Clay Thompson, okay? When Kevin Durant plays for them, yeah, that to three, and he's, he's, he's a good enough defender, right? But uh, w- the Blazers were never going to win this series. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any scenario where they came out the winner in this series. Right? How about this? And they've been close in every game. Like, if anything, I think Stotts should get a raise and an extension. When you're up by 17 <laughs> against anybody, and you lose... Because that other team goes on a 17-3 to run. But that's basketball. That happens sure, it's basketball. every game. And I get that it's the Warriors, and I understand that, that they can do that. But I think he undercoached his team. Teams are worried about overcoaching. But when you see your team getting steamrolled over and over again, running the same sets, call a timeout, relax your team, right? Uh, calm them down, and make some adjustments. They did the same thing over and over and over again, and it bit them in the butt hard. Yeah. And this is the second game in a row where they have lost a 15-plus point lead in the third quarter alone. You can't keep saying that's a yeah. that's a player problem because of how consistently it's happening. This has got to be a coaching problem. But what I saw time and time again were bad decisions by the players. Passing it to the wrong person, right? That's not a coach thing. That's a player making a bad read. Right. But then as a coach, if your players that are normally good are consistently making bad decisions... Maybe it's because they're in a bad position. And who's putting them well, in a bad position? It could Themselves, be. yes, but also the coaching staff. It could be that they're in a bad position, or it could just be that they're getting flustered and the moment's too big for them. No, I don't believe that. You don't I believe, believe that? I, I, you don't they, believe in, in experience? I absolutely believe in experience. But they were winning by 17, so they what? They were flustered before, and, and they weren't flustered before, no, and they're but, flustered but, now? But basketball's a game of runs, okay? And so when the Warriors start making that run, right, and you've not been in that position before... You've never been in an Eastern Conference or a Western Conference final. You've never played the Warriors. Have they played the Warriors? Maybe they have in previous. They do. They're in but, the same conference. Well, so yeah, but no, but in the in the playoffs, right? With these, with these, with with this core, this core. No, but this the the weight. Oh, gotcha. Of being in in an Eastern of being four games away from the NBA final, right? I. I just don't. I I can't pin it all on the coaching. These are professional athletes. Damian Lillard is a max player. CJ McCollum is a max player. They've got good pieces around them. They needed to perform better. And sure, the coach, could he have called more timeouts? Could he have put them in a better position? Okay, but you still play defense. You still make good reads. And you still hit open shots. Sure, absolutely. But they've given up multiple 15-plus point leads once that on the road. In Oracle, everything goes out the window. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do at Oracle. But they lost that lead in the exact same fashion at home. I just can't put all the blame on the players. I can't, well, I just am blown away that a professional coach couldn't make an adjustment 
when it was very clear that Damian Lillard needed the ball out of his hands because they were keying on him and it just wrecked their well, entire offense. It seems like Lillard's hurt. And and if that's the case, then you know, and, and if the coach is playing him hurt and there's a better option, you know, in, in that sense, yeah, I can get behind. But he wasn't hurt in game two when they went on that same run. He got hurt late in that game after the big the big Warriors run. Okay. It, my thing is, you know what they're doing, you see what they're doing, and it happens three, four times down the court in a row, mm-hmm. and they go on this big run. Make an adjustment. Whether you're a player or a coach, you need to make an adjustment. But it's the coach's job to be the level-headed one that can come in and say, okay, guys, this is what's happening on the court. This is what we need to do. I felt like Steve Kerr and his crew was out-coaching the Blazers, I mean, from the tip right, of game one. And it's evidenced by the big runs that, or the big leads that the Blazers are giving up and the way that his teams are collapsing. Hmm. Okay. I think we agree to disagree on this. I find in the NBA, I don't think coaches matter that much. I just don't. Especially in playoff games when so much of it comes down to ISO ball and who makes shots when they matter. And normally I agree with that 100%. Normally it's the players out there, right? But like you said, when you have a young team that doesn't have the championship experience that the Blazers do, that's when coaching becomes more important, right? So for the for the Warriors, maybe the coaching isn't as important as it is for the Blazers. And that's why I feel like Stotts deserves more criticism than say Steve Kerr would if the team doesn't play as well, right? Because you do have a young, inexperienced team when it comes to you know Western Conference and championship games, right? So it's your job to get them in the right spots, to get them in the right mindset, and he is not doing it. And he honestly looks like he's being outcoached from the beginning to the end of each game. Well, after halftime of each game. <laughs> At least for half the game. Yes. Yeah. So, something interesting happened this morning with the Lakers. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do tell. Um, Was it magical? <laughs> in, in a sense. Uh, Magic Johnson went on first take. and um, I'm aware of the program. Yeah, it's the Stephen A. Max Kellerman vehicle. Well, it's the Stephen A. vehicle that Max is privileged to be a part of. Okay, yeah. Have you ever had, like, when Stephen A's yelling at somebody else and Max is like, trying to get in there and it's like <laughs> him and, like, Stephen A and Will Kane are yelling yeah, at each other? Right. That's great. It's like the Civil War all over again. So Magic goes on there and, uh, you know, he resigned from the Lakers a couple months ago or a month and a half ago. And uh, he, he go, went on there to essentially tell his side of what happened, why he left, uh, what the situation was like with the Lakers, what his relationship is like with them now. Um, and, and the big... I guess soundbite that came out of this. Well, there's so many things to talk about, and we won't we won't get to all of them. But w- one of the major things he said was that he felt like he was being stabbed in the back by Rob Polinka, the general manager of the Lakers. And part of that comes from uh, rumors that Polinka had been critical of Magic Johnson, that he was an absentee executive, right? Ma- Magic Johnson had all of the power for the basketball, uh, had all of the decision-making power for basketball operations. Not the business side, but the basketball side. Roster decisions, who the coach was, etc. And when he took the job, when Jeannie Buss hired him, he told her, well, I'm going to be in and out. Meaning I'm going to be here sometimes and not be here sometimes because I make more money running my other businesses. And so he didn't want to give up running his other businesses, right? And so that he joined the Lakers under the uh, under the presumption that he would be able to do both, continue running his other side businesses that apparently he makes much more money at, and being the president of basketball operations for the Lakers. Now, that seems like a big job. Being the yeah. president of anything is a big deal, right? He is presiding over the Lakers, mm-hmm. his former team that mm-hmm. he professes to care a lot about. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone came to me and was like, David, I know this is very important to you, this side project that you have going on here. I want to be the president of that. It's like, okay, that sounds good. That'll take a huge burden off of my shoulders. That sounds great. It's like, tell you what, though, Dave, I'm only going to be here about a third of the time. And that's the whole conversation. I'm yeah. not going to hire that person. Right. If, if that thing is really important to me, I'm not going to have someone presiding over it like a president should. That's only there a quarter of the time. So who's to blame for that? Well, yeah, and I'm glad you asked that because, okay, the Lakers are, 
to put it nicely, somewhat dysfunctional right now. I feel like what you're about to do is the scene from The Office where <laughs> Dwight is trying to explain to Jim what the hierarchy of the company is and who who uh, who uh, answers to who and all that stuff. Okay, so I'm excited for this. This, this is, is going to be interesting. Like if you're, I feel like the conspiracy theorist with the board and the yarn attached to things. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. This is going to be great. Um. All right. This is this is like painful for me to talk about because. This should be the best job in basketball, oh, running yeah. the Lakers, right? I mean, dream come true. You have a team. If, rewind two years ago. Okay. Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka coming into the Lakers. You had, you know, it, it doesn't It doesn't even matter. Let's not, let's not even look in the past. Let's just focus on, like, what recently happened. So, but Johnson was hired by Jeannie Buss. With full knowledge that he was not 100% committed to the job. Can you imagine Danny Ainge saying, I'm not 100% committed to the Celtics? Or Doc, R- Doc Rivers saying, I'm going to be a part-time coach? Yeah, that would they get run out of town. Phil Jackson had a similar kind of thing going on, and he was reviled for it in, uh, in New York, where he was a loved player. So part of, part of the blame for, for the whole debacle with the Lakers and Magic leaving six weeks ago is that Jeannie Bush should have never hired him in the first place or should have hired him to something else. Special advisor role, right? Like what Rambus is like doing Like what now. Rambus is supposedly doing now. That came, that came out of the woodwork, man. He's special. He, boom, he pops out of nowhere. He's like, hey, guess what? I'm making decisions now. Uh, in his goggles. Um, and I, I bet he still wears those. Does he still have the same mustache? I hope so. If he didn't have the mustache and the goggles on, would you recognize him? If he walked into this room right now without his goggles and mustache, would you say there's Kurt Rambis? I'd have to see him uh, horizontal as if he were just clotheslined. Maybe I could recognize him then. All right. Um, so Makes sense. Yeah. All right. So so first of all, we have an absentee executive, okay? Rob Polinka's there grinding by all reports day-to-day. I don't know exactly what you do as a GM day-to-day. It seems like there's super busy periods like leading up to the draft yeah, well, and I'm trade sure- deadline. I'm sure um, you're constantly scouting players from other teams. Yeah. You're, you're talking to other GMs about what players they're willing to move. You're evaluating mm-hmm. your own players. You're talking to your coaching staff about the development of your young guys. Getting, I mean, you're sending college scouts out. You're sending high school scouts out. You have to send guys overseas now. Yeah. You have to basically run an international spy organization, <laughs> right? That's what he's doing. He's running MI6. Yeah. Um, and so, he's, well. he's, so Rob Polinka is doing this day in and day out without essentially the authority to make any decisions right all that authority rests with magic who maybe from time to time has to get authority from genie for super big decisions like firing the coach okay and that was actually something he brought up and and that who brought up that magic johnson brought up in his in his interview today with Stephen a he talked about wanting to fire luke walton at some point during the season and he brought it up with genie and genie said "Mm, no let's work it out let's try and work it out right and Johnson went and had another meeting with her sometime later, and she agreed that he could fire him. But then, like, the next day said, no, I still want to try and work it out. And then they had another meeting. This is now a third or fourth meeting. And Jeannie brings in the COO of the Lakers, the chief operating officer of the Lakers, Tim Harris, who handles all of the business side. Timmy! Right? So he's not involved in any basketball decisions, right? So but, he, he but he's part of this meeting. So he does like he deals with the TV deals and the merchandising exactly. and the commercials. He exactly. does that kind of stuff. He he know, probably knows nothing about basketball. Well, I'm, I mean, I think he's worked for Lakers a long time. He probably knows something about basketball right. by I, proximity. But I don't know what his actual basketball background is, if any. My dad was a general contractor. I couldn't build a house to save my life. Sure. Let alone build a mansion <laughs> designed for a basketball franchise. Yes. Yeah. But 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 Tim Harris in the meeting convinces Jeannie that to not. To not let Magic fire Luke Walton, okay? And it was at that point that Luke says, okay, I'm out. You mean Magic? Sorry. It was at that point that Magic Johnson says, I'm out. Uh, I don't want to be... If I can't can't make decisions, I don't want to be here. And he resigned like that day or the next day. He he just called some guys over. Hey, hey, you guys have cameras? Come over here. I got something to say. And I'm Irving Magic Johnson. You must listen to me. And the quote that he gave was, (laughs) was that I decided it wasn't fun anymore. And when it's not fun, I'm not going to stick around. Does Pat Riley look like he's having fun ever? Yeah, he's never had fun. Fact. Danny Ainge gave himself a heart attack. Jeff Van Gundy never had any fun. No, absolutely. Stan Van Gundy, less so. Yeah, now he's having some fun. But 
I mean, yes. What? Okay. Um, so, so, so I, so I, under, but I understand. Okay, I will stand up for magic in this regard. If I'm empowered to make the basketball decisions, right, and I say I want to fire this coach, he's not getting it done, right. And then the owner goes to someone else in a different department who has no experience and shouldn't have any oversight over over me, and listens to takes his opinion over mine. I say, what am I doing here? Right. right. And why, like, why, here? why Why? am I here? Why am I spending my time trying to contribute to this organization if you won't take my opinion? Right. If you're if I'm in a position to make decisions and you're not allowing me to make those decisions, what's going on? Right. That would be like me in my teaching my class and someone's like a math uh, math teacher coming and saying, hey, this is how you should teach this reading concept to your students. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to do it this way because, you know, it's how I do it because I'm an English teacher. And then having like an assistant principal come in and say, no, you have to do it their way. Yeah. So I, I kind of get how that could be super frustrating. Okay. So that's that's kind of uh, one part of this. But then... Whoa, we're just through part one? I how mean, many parts are there? there's so much. And I don't. I know everyone's going to get so bored with this. But I, I kind of need this. This is my therapy session. So podcast listeners, just so you know, Anthony still has his Lakers hat on. This is... Oh, yeah. I mean... I ride and die with the Lakers, right? Mostly dying lately. Not 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 as much riding as I would like. Do you remember how excited you were during preseason? Oh, love the offseason. So preseason, I mean like preseason games when like LeBron oh, yeah. like threw an alley-oop or he dunked a couple times and you texted me several times and tweeted me several times yeah. during that game telling me how this was the greatest thing of all time. Mm. And now look where we are. Yeah. I told you, I, I, I was like, calm down, dude. Like, take it easy with this stuff. It's preseason. Then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Lonzo Ball still has an ugly shot. I was trying to remind you of all this stuff. So one thing, we are. one thing I didn't like Listen about... Listen to Dave. <laughs> one thing I didn't like about Magic, and there's lots of things I didn't like about Magic going on first take, but one thing is... <laughs> so Stephen A. pressed him on some of the basketball decisions that he made, right? Yeah. Uh, not resigning Julius Randle, not resigning Brooke Lopez... Um, trading away Vita Zubats in in middle of the season for Mike Muscala, who dude, just not a good player. Dude, Muscala from Olive Garden is so good. Um, chicken tiki Muscala, oh, so the, good. The, yeah, the Indian restaurant. Is that what that? Uh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking the the dish from Olive Garden. Mm. Um, so and, and Magic Magic said when he when Stephen A. brought up Zubats, he said, "What are what were his stats in the playoffs?" And so Stephen A, he made Stephen A look up his stats, which were, I mean, it was like five points and five rebounds a game in the playoffs, right? And Magic Johnson's like, C, right? And so, like, he put down Zubats to defend the trade for a player who performed worse. So there was that. He also has a history of, like, slandering players who have left the Lakers. He traded away D'Angelo Russell and said he wasn't a good leader, wasn't a good player. D'Angelo's an all-star this year. Uh, Julius Randle, if he were in the Eastern Conference, would have been an all-star this year and didn't re-sign him. Um, and he's no longer working with Rob Polinka, Magic Johnson, and he's talking bad about him, right? And so what he's accusing Rob Polinka of uh, is talking, criticizing him not to his face, of Rob criticizing Magic not to Magic's face. Magic has a history of doing to essentially everyone else who he feels wrong by or feels like he has to defend his actions for dismissing. And so it comes off as a bit crit- hypocritical to me uh, that he is... Now, he's, it's, I guess it's not like... I guess the one thing is it's out in the open, right? He doesn't like try and hide it, which is what you could say ab- about Rob Polinka if the allegations are true, that he was like whispering to Jeannie or sending her emails criticizing Magic's uh, absenteeism. Which is understandable. Like, the boss isn't there, yeah. and the boss is holding you to these ridiculous standards, but the boss isn't doing his job? I mean, that, that poisons an organization. That poisons an organization. Talking badly about your superior also poisons an organization. I mean, I won't defend Rob Polinka's actions, or alleged actions. Like, there are, there's actually conflicting reports there, because this all stems from a supposed email that Magic Johnson was copied on, where Rob Polinka was critical about Magic, and email to Jeannie Buss... But then it turns out today that Magic says, oh, yeah, I heard about those emails, but I had never saw them. Like, what does that mean? I don't if he didn't see them, who saw them? How did the, that get leaked? Uh, so there's just a whole lot of dysfunction. But I feel like a lot of it, a lot of it rests with Genie Bus and bad decision making, bad hiring. Should never have hired Magic in the first place. But now that Magic's gone, 
all of the basketball decisions are with Rob Polinka, who he played college basketball. He's been an agent for a long time. He's got a lot of relationships in the NBA. And he grinds. Like, I'm I'm willing to give Rob Polinka the benefit of the doubt and see what happens this summer, right? Because ultimately, like we've said time and time again, the Lakers have some good young players, they have LeBron James, and they have the ability to add one or two very good players. They also have the fourth pick in the draft this year. They have the fourth pick is, in the draft. if not, I, I think it's a great trade asset. I don't think it's necessarily a great pick, like especially in, the, yeah. in a draft where it's like top three heavy. Then after that, it's like, uh, I don't know. So you just, I think you trade it away. I mean, I know the Celtics are, are one to... It gets it pick. gets tricky if they sign a max free agent sure. and like what the sequencing has to work right like you can't trade it away before you sign a free agent mm. or else your cap space is going to be gone yeah so you have to we, we'll get into this maybe sorry listener we might get into this after the finals when we start looking towards the draft uh and free agency but um the, there has there's some sequencing because of the cap where you have to if you're going to add two play if the lakers are going to add two players they'll have to sign one first and then trade for the other one mm. You can't do it the opposite way or else the cap doesn't work that way. Interesting. And salaries doesn't work. So I want to talk about, we've talked a little bit about Stephen A, the Stephen A show. Yeah. And uh, Irvin Magic Johnson going on that. And uh, He was upset he had a sacrifice date night. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. He said, I had to sacrifice a lot for this job. I couldn't go on Friday night date nights with Cookie, his wife Cookie. Mm. Mm. Well, uh, mm. Hey, date nights are great. You should have. Yes, you I, should, if you can do it, you should have date nights. I 100 percent agree. If you're so wealthy and making so much money outside of that, you can fly your wife to wherever you are to spend a night with you. Yeah. All right. So, oh, sorry, I, I cut you off. What, what was the other thing you want to talk about? I want to talk about the press conference today. So okay. this morning, this morning you have Irvin Magic Johnson going on first take, right? And then you have the press conference announcing the new coach, Frank Vogel. And Rob Polinka was kind of leading that press conference. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of really funny moments, and I wish we could watch it with you because we spent about 15, 20 minutes just laughing at the things that were going on and replaying yeah. things and laughing at stuff. And I think all things considered, like the situation, Rob Polinka handled himself really well. Yeah. Like he was in he, he was asked terrible questions like that were like really yeah. like landmines, and he managed to answer them very, very well, you know? Yeah. And poor Frank Vogel is just like, hey, I'm here to coach, I'm talking basketball, and things are great. And he's like, Hey Frank, glad you're here. This is a question for Rob. <laughs> so Rob, uh, you didn't want this guy. You wanted some other guys, but you got this guy. What's this guy wrong? this guy's sitting right here. He was yeah. obviously your third choice at best. Yeah, and then it was like, So what went wrong when you're in your coaching search? <laughs> And meanwhile, Frank Vogel is just like, wait, I just talked about how I was going to make guys shoot three-pointers, and we were going to go to the basket, we were going to play defense from the inside out, and he was talking all this basketball stuff. And the first question was, hey, so you didn't want him. What went wrong? I'm excited about Vogel. Here's the, the crazy thing, is the Lakers knew that Magic Johnson was going to be on first take. They've known for a long time. And they, they purposefully scheduled their press conference two hours after his appearance on first take. That, that's perfect because it's just enough time to watch. Then PR guys are like prepping, right? Mm-hmm. So you can tell that, that Rob Polinka was very uh, – it wasn't like scripted, but you can yeah. tell he was very coached in what he was going to say and how he was going yeah, to say it. Yeah, he was it. very measured in what he said. He was complimentary of Magic Johnson. Very complimentary. In fact, although, I don't know if you caught this, but he did not call him Magic. Call he him called Irvin. him Irvin. And I was like, ooh, his friends call him Magic. His family, when they're angry at him, call him Irvin. Like his, I imagine, that's what his mom calls right? him. His, his mom, grandma calls him Irvin. Right? He's like, Irvin, why didn't you tell your boss you were quitting? Uh, right? So, anyway, so I think there was still, you could still, that kind of me was funny. Yeah. But, but also Frank Vogel's facial expressions while they were asking questions about the the, bond, uh, the, the dumpster fire that is the Lakers. Mm-hmm. That was fun stuff to watch. So, anyway, if, so, if you care about this stuff, watching yeah. that uh, press conference would be a fun thing to do. So uh, on one and I've, a half. I've seen a lot of people ask, like, why would Magic do this right now? What's what's the what's the aim in doing? Like, you could have done it six weeks ago when you resigned, and uh, yeah, I have a thought. Very soon, very soon, Irvin Magic Johnson is going to release a ghost-written book. Okay, that's and that's all. This is all just like prep work this is leg work for his book you think this is to push book sales oh sure he's gonna make more money off of the book sales than he is off Uh, of being the gm of the lakers adrian wojnarowski 
has a theory. Woj bomb. That well, Woj theory. So it's not really a bomb. So it's like a Woj radar ping. That he is trying to. <laughs> that Magic Johnson is trying to sabotage the Lakers, yeah. so they don't get any free agent signings or, or anyone of note this off season. That they have another losing season. That the Lakers continue to have poor performance that it might hurt ticket sales and that Genie Bus will ultimately decide to sell the team because he wants to buy the team. This is Woj's like conspiracy theory is that Magic Johnson wants to buy the team and the quickest and easiest way for him to do that is to drive down the value of the team and for Genie to sell it off before it becomes too invaluable. Well, it's always going to be valuable, right? But before it loses too much of its value. Weird theory. I don't think it's true. First of all, excuse me, <coughs> AEG is a 30% owner of the Lakers. They have the right of first refusal if Jeannie ever wants to sell. So they, if she wants to sell it, they would be able to buy it at whatever price she's asking for before it would be offered to anyone else. Gotcha. Okay. So Magic Johnson has, like, in, in reality, no chance. Unless she just puts it up for sale at some astronomical price that, that AEG does, doesn't want to match. Um, but that's Woj's theory. I don't know if I buy that. I will say there is a silver lining to it being now. Is that it's not June and it's not July. It's we've got six weeks until free agency. Mm-hmm. In the basketball or any kind of news timeline, news cycle, like this will lose steam over time, right? Mm-hmm. And by it, by July first, free agents will have had time to consider this and to dismiss it or not and LeBron James has time to call people and to tell them no Vogel's here and Plinka's here and they're not going anywhere and they're doing a great job Magic was you know he's an awesome guy but he wasn't right for the job and so he's gone now and all the problems are gone right and so if there's any silver lining to to (laughs) what's going on is that everything's now out in the open right and we're not going to have any midnight of free agency bomb that comes out <laughs> that, you know, like a political race the night before the election. Hopefully not. I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> it is the Lakers, so you never know. But if, if there is a silver lining, I think it's that. One other thing that I wanted to talk about that I was thinking about is, all right, when you have an executive that leaves a, a job, specific, particularly if this is a very public position, very public company, and the Lakers are one of the most public companies in the world. Yeah. Typically, as part of the exit of this executive, you will sign what's called a non-disparagement agreement. Usually it's mutual. It goes both ways, right? And what the leaving executive and the company agree to is that we're not going to say anything bad about each other, right? And that can be for an indefinite amount of time. It can be for a year, 18 months, whatever it is. But usually there's there's some period of time where I'm not going to talk about the company. They're not going to talk about me. And if we do, it's got to be nice, right? I'm not going to talk about any of the specifics that went on when I was there. And I'm definitely not going to say anything negative. I'm not going to criticize the company. They're not going to criticize me. That's common practice. I don't know if that's so common in sports, but if it's not, it should be. Um, and the Lakers had to know what is Ma- what Magic Johnson said he wanted to leave because he wanted to tweet, right? And even though he's a very positive tweeter, <laughs> right? The, the fact that you would let Ma- Magic Johnson leave and you wouldn't have hired him with some kind of provision in his contract that said upon exiting you will sign a non-disparagement agreement just further provides further evidence to me that they don't know what they're doing no and it's almost like they trusted magic they're like oh no a former laker he cares about this organization and clearly he cares more about a lot of other things than this organization that's the problem with doing business with friends and family yeah because you have too much trust and when things go sideways they go sideways quick and it's hard to mend and genie bus for as long as she hopefully this is a wake-up call for her that she can't just trust her friends to do to run her business right that she needs and, and i mean palinka's kind of a friend right he's kobe's former agent that's how he got the job right and she loves kobe and magic was like a brother to her growing up and so magic got the job right and linda rambus is her best friend and so that's how she has her job and kurt's linda's husband and that's how he has his job but she needs to hire people around her that she has no relationship with or other than something just, you know, 
a cordial relationship because she's met this person a few times, but someone who has actual basketball experience. And that way, their relationship is purely work, and the friendship doesn't factor into the decision of basketball operations at all. Right. It's like, this is the best decision for our and, team, and I trust you because you're an expert, not because I like you. And she needs to hire... It's probably not going to happen. Polinka said today that the, the structure moving forward is he's GM. There's not going to be any president of basketball operations. As He'll he said, report directly to Jeannie. Right. What he said was they created that position for Magic. Yeah, and that's kind of true, kind of not. I mean, uh, uh, Jim Buss, uh, Jerry Buss's son, who was running the Lakers until Magic and Rob took over with Mitch, Mitch Kupchak, he was the executive vice president of basketball operations. And that position essentially turned into president of basketball operations. Okay. But and so, but it was a family member, right? It was he was her yeah. brother, right? And so, yeah, this position goes away, and so there's no one now in between Rob Polinka and Jeannie Bus. You know, I I would rather see them go out, try to go after someone like a David Griffin, like a Bob Meyer at, uh, Myers at at uh, Golden State, someone who is purely basketball, doesn't have any ties to the Lakers, that can be in that position of ultimate decision maker for basketball operations, but it doesn't seem like they're going to do that. Yeah. So you had our notes here. Yeah. You had listed A through K <laughs> yeah. on the Lakers. How many of them do you get through? How many I think left? three or four. Are you serious? Okay, real quick, I'll run through. Oh. Magic, so, so some highlights from Magic Johnson's interview. Um, he, uh, he still believes in the young core. Thinks they're special, especially highlighted uh, Ingram, Ball, and and Kuzma. Sure. Um, that uh, he doesn't think this will impact free agency at all. He still feels like the Lakers are a premier distant destination, and he would be happy to sit in on the free agent pitch meetings, which would be hilarious to have <laughs> to have Rob Polinka, Magic Johnson, Jeannie Buss, and Frank Vogel, and Kurt Rambis, obviously. My, yeah, just <laughs> hanging out in the back on his phone doing whatever. And the Rambi overseeing the process. Uh, I have imagine, them all like, together. Imagine, like, Rob Polinka sitting down, Magic Johnson comes in, Rob stands up, looks at him and says, Irvin? He says, Rob. <laughs> they sit down. They're like, don't look at each other for the entire meeting. <laughs> Robert? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? He looks so much like Rob Lowe, and freakishly, they share a name. Freakishly right? looks like Rob Lowe. If they shared a last name, they'd obviously be brothers. They'd be the same person. But if they share a first name, makes me think they're actually the same person. <gasps> that would literally have they be the craziest thing I've ever seen, has ever. anyone ever seen them in the same place at the same time? I know they were both in L.A. today. Fact. What? Rob Lowe's son graduated from Loyola Law School, and he posted a picture. Loyola is in L.A., the plot thickens. We need to get Woj on that right away. Okay, so you have other notes on the Lakers yeah, that we didn't I, get to. Just, I, just headline them. Just headline them real quick. No, I mean, I, I think I got. To, I think I got to all all the big things I wanted to talk about. I, you know, I'm excited for Vogel, which is something no one's ever said. But I'm excited for for Frank Vogel to be the coach of Lakers because it seems like all he cares about is basketball. He like grew up in Indiana. He's a basketball junkie. He was on David Letterman as like a teenager doing basketball tricks he brushed like, his teeth while he putting a ball on the toothbrush <laughs> yeah. that will not translate into coaching success no, ask, but, ask but Terry he, Stotts it requires a little bit more no but he he loves basketball like someone who actually loves basketball being associated with the Lakers makes me excited yeah right and someone who's like actually in it right in the X's and O's in the weeds I'm excited for him I hope the players respond to him I don't know how this affects free agency. Like, first of all, Kawhi, he's the cyborg lockbox. Like, no one knows what the he's cyborg thinking. cyborg lockbox? <laughs> no one knows what he's thinking. He hasn't been programmed to think this far in the future. So no. He thinks one game at a time. He well, thinks one possession at a time. I bet he thinks one dribble at a time. But Kawhi time is much slower than our time. Right? Like, there's this episode of... Uh, there's a one of the movies, Star Trek movies. Someone asked Data, like... How long did you consider this bad guy's offer? Because the bad guy offers to like help turn him human if he joins the board, right? He's like, well, how long did you... Because he says, I actually thought it considered her offer. He's like, well, how long? 0.25 seconds. And Picard looks at him like, really? He says, mm. for an android, that's a long time. <laughs> so I imagine Kawhi's the same yeah. way. Like, every time he dribbles the ball, he's like thinking about whether or not he left the oven on. Then the next dribble, he's thinking about his 401k. <laughs> With his next dribble, uh, he's like deciding how he's gonna dunk on the next guy. Then he double dribbles and gets with mm. it and dunks anyway because home game. 
Anyway, so Ramona, we Ramona Shelburne, who uh, is really plugged into the Lakers organization, she's a reporter for ESPN. She reported, uh, she had talked to people within the Lakers organization and asked, um, you know, about how often uh, does Magic actually come to work? Would it be, um, you know, more or less than, would it be two times a week? And, and the response was, if that. <gasps> so maybe, we're talking about like maybe one time a week. And like then he, one and day a week. And then he's bummed out when he's in the room and he's like, guys, we should do this. And they're like, Magic, you just flew in here from somewhere, and you haven't been here. We've been talking about this for weeks. No, I'm totally on not Magic Johnson's side now. Yeah, and it, and it's never good to badmouth your boss, but like at some point, right? If your boss just isn't coming in, and you need to get stuff done, you go over their head. Yeah, you go over their head. Um, <laughs> Something getting lost in all of this. Yeah, the Lakers still have the best player in the world, and one of, if not the best, perimeter defender in basketball. Yeah. The Lakers, the takeaway for me, and why I, you know, wear, I mean, I'm going to wear the hat anyways, but something I'm super excited about, they still have, even, okay, if you rewind two years ago, I would have been happy with the Lakers just riding with the young guys and, like, seeing where this went. And maybe they never win a championship, you know, but, you know, at some point they become playoff competitive, and, like, I root for those guys, super excited when they do well but you add in LeBron James and you add in a potential another max free agent or someone at least very good that helps this team like there's a lot of reason to be excited if you're a Lakers fan if you were the buck or sorry no the bucks are actually good if you were the timberwolves or you were the hornets in a similar situation no hope your 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 franchise is over until you draft the next LeBron James right um okay other thing uh <laughs> so the Stephen A asked LeBron. Stephen A asked LeBron. Sorry, Stephen A asked Magic. This has got you really worked up. This is I'm so flustered. Stephen A asked Magic. You know, if you could do it over again, would you resign differently? Because how it happened was he just walked up to uh, up to the press right before a Laker game. It was the last game of the season, maybe. Right before second the, to last, second or last to, game. Yeah, right, right towards the end of the season. And he says, hey, I have an announcement to make. And he resigned. And no one knew it was coming. Not Genie Bus, not Luke Walton, not Rob Palinka, none of the players. Everyone was blindsided. And LeBron, you know, part of the reason he gives for coming to the Lakers was to be able to play for Magic Johnson. Someone he respects and looks up to like anyone um, who, who grew up in, in that time. And he cited he had similar play styles, so he respected Magic's game. And uh, and so he was, he, he said on his show, The Shop, uh, on, on HBO, he said that he was hurt that Magic didn't let him know in advance, right? That he found out the same way everyone else. And he felt that maybe Magic owed him at least a phone call in advance. Uh, and so Stephen A asked Magic, you know, if you could go over, would you, if you could do it again, would you like at least tell LeBron? Would you tell, would you tell the players beforehand? And he said, no, that he doesn't regret any of it. He stands by his decisions, and he doesn't like to look in the past. He doesn't like to think about mistakes that he made. And it's like, if that's not evidence enough that he is not cut out for this job, I don't know what is. Because if you're not learning from your mistakes, you're going to repeat them, right? And the one the only thing he admitted to doing wrong his entire time with the Lakers was not re-signing Brooke Lopez. That's the only thing he admitted to not doing wrong or to not doing well. And he said he should have put more shooters around LeBron. Duh. So thank you Magic for the five championships. Showtime Laker highlights on YouTube will always be there for everyone to access. Uh, but the fact that you no longer have input into the day-to-day operations of the Lakers, not that you put too much input in while you were there anyways, um, I think we're all very happy. And please stop talking about the Lakers. Just moratorium until September, October. If you could do that, Lakers Nation would be so happy. Also, if um, you're concerned about people like talking about your back because you're not showing up to work, perhaps if you showed up to work, they could talk to your face. And maybe you could hash out your differences if you're actually there. That's, I guess, my parting thought on the matter. Go Lakers. All right, real quick to, to wrap things up. You want to oh, say something? Yeah. Have you talked enough? Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm, <laughs> no, just, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. No, I'm good. I'm so good. when 
I know, what, I know what you're going through right now. Like when you're really passionate about something and you're seeing something that you're passionate about like crumble into the ocean, like you want to like <laughs> yeah. talk it out, right? And this is like, it's not like the Titanic and the iceberg if they had seen it at the start of the movie. <laughs> right? And, and it's just like more. two and a half hours they're seeing it coming and, and everyone knows you're supposed to turn the ship, but for some reason the captain's like, nah, we good. Well, what the captain's we doing? Good. The captain's off on another, like, another <laughs> ship. <laughs> Right, the That's captain's right. busy. I have this other ship. Are you okay with me being this captain, but also being like the, the major captain's playing full-time doodle captain jump there? on his phone? Yeah, no, he's not even there. Oh. Anyway, so it's it's really interesting when a news organization makes the news, right? Yeah. And in this case, we have a sports news organization that is making news, and they're making news because ESPN, uh, the CEO was it Eigert? Whatever, I forget. Uh, well, they have a uh, ESPN. No, Iger's uh, over Disney. Okay. But but yeah, the the new the new CEO of of uh, ESPN, uh, Jimmy Pitaro. Pitaro. So this Pitaro guy has come out and says people want us to cover sports. They don't want us to cover politics. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really good point. You said that players are are feel more and more empowered to be political. So when you are covering a group of people that are getting more and more political, how can you not kind of cover their politics? Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting catch-22, but apparently he's saying we're going to avoid it. Yeah, so he's been president of ESPN for about a year now. And over the last year, um, essentially he's been trying to steer commentators away from political discussion. So ESPN anchors or Sports Center anchors, uh, even in their social media posts, he's encouraged them to not uh, delve into politics. And uh, his quote in this uh, is an article from the LA Times, he says, uh, Without question, our data tells us our fans do not want us to cover politics. My job is to, pro- to provide clarity. I think he's meaning to the, to his to the staff. staff, to ESPN personnel. I really believe that some of our talent was confused on what was expected of them. If you fast forward to today, I don't believe they are confused. So in other words, he made corrections that were very stern and he said, hey, don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, yeah, and you see it a lot. Like you know, whenever anyone uh, related to sports makes any kind of comment politically, you know, half of the tweets in response are shut up and uh, dribble. Yes, stay out of sports. Right, yeah. keep your politics out of my sports. This is where I relax. And then the other half is I agree. Right, it's either I disagree and politics don't belong in sports, or I wholeheartedly agree and keep at it. Right. My favorite thing about all of this is you can turn ESPN off. There are other channels. I mean, yeah. they're not good. Like Fox Sports You don't have good. to follow someone on Twitter. You don't. And so this is, it's ridiculous to me on one end, where if you don't like a particular sports anchor because they talk politics every once in a while, there's 30,000 other places you can go, especially in the internet age or the podcast age. You can literally pick and choose what you want. So this complaining about Sorry. free content that people are giving you is ridiculous to me. If you don't like that free yeah. content, go get your free content and I, and somewhere I, else. And I agree on the social media side. On the TV side, though. Like, like on company time. Yes, on the TV time, like I, I, you know, the the argument. Well, you can turn the channel. Yes, but their data is telling them that the fans don't want it, right? So if the option is, so if their data is telling them we are losing more viewership than we're gaining because mm-hmm. of of the political nature of our coverage, uh, then right, it makes sense, and it's it's uh, part of his job as CEO. Uh, to make sure they're maximizing profits, and that means maximizing viewership. And so, if that means um, uh, softening the coverage when it comes to politics, I think it makes sense. Uh, but there should also be outlets for it, right? And I think there are. And I personally, you know, I don't think that in on their social media pages that the, the that on air talent when it comes to social media should be censored from their employer. Also, don't don't think they have. You know, this isn't like a constitutional right. You see that as well. Like, what about free speech? Free you, you speech. Give up, you give up a lot of freedoms when you enter a business. Yeah. Right. When you and, enter a job or a contract, right? Like, oh, I have the right to say and do whatever I want. No, you don't. As soon as you infringe upon guarant- like contracts that you've signed or implied contracts, you don't have that freedom anymore. And freedom of speech, things like that, go away when you're infringing on somebody else's freedoms. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and there's no there's no constitutional guarantee or, or constitutional right that you're. Uh, from your employer, right? That's right. from the government, right? right? So the, the the government can't come to your home. Well, they shouldn't be able to come to your home and say what you're saying um, we don't agree with and therefore you're fired or you're going to jail. Um, but, right, once you work for a company, a private organization or even a public organization, a publicly traded company, um, if you're an at-will employee, 
they can fire you for whatever reason, yeah. right? And if that's over politics, so be it. Um, so all this to say, it's an interesting time in sports where athletes and uh, and and honor talent feel more empowered and feel. And this is part of the, I think, the millennial, you know, generation where you want to, you want to be part of things that matter to you, right? Mm-hmm. You want to feel like you're having a positive influence in the world, and so if you yeah. feel particularly strong about a political issue, you want to influence that issue. It's also interesting that millennials think that everyone wants to know what they think. <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone is going to be interested in what I have to say yeah. and what I think is is going to be interesting to everybody. Now that's and so they everyone wants to get their opinion out there. That's great. Exhibit A and B. We have a podcast. Yep. Who cares, man? <laughs> Who cares what we think about the Lakers? I don't even Who care cares? what I think about the Lakers. Uh, yeah, you do. Well, I do. Okay, so, tell that to the forty minutes you spent in our podcast talking about <laughs> it. But but you bring up a good point. Like clearly, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to get your opinions out there. Yeah. It's fun to talk about things that you're passionate and you care about. So I get why you'd want to do that. But I also understand an employer wanting to say, "Hey, tell you what, you're pretty famous, and you doing these things deters from our profitability. Therefore, mm. you should not do it. Therefore, if you do it, you're going to get fired." It all makes sense to me. What a positive note to end our show on. Lakers dumpster fire and shut up and dribble. No, shut up and, and no, don't shut up, but but dribble better. But hey, uh, I don't know. I'm confused. I'm rambling now. You, sh- you should hit the stop button right now. Kobe! This has been the Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. Tune in weekly for sports talk and other stuff.